What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the 90 and 60 Plus Podcast World Cup Edition once again. My name is Christian, and this week it's another three-man crew in the house. We got Saul live and in person, all the remote, and as usual, we're here to bring you up to date with everything going on in the 2022 World Cup tournament. Uh, before we get into that, just want to ask y'all really quick how you're doing. Aldo, I'll start with you, man. How's how's life treating you? It's good, man. Everything's going well. Um, I'm almost at the end of my parental leave, so that's kind of an eye-opener. I mean, three months just passed by real quick, but either way, it's been good. It's been fun, and I'm glad to be here with you guys. How about you? Yeah, man. Uh, I was gonna say doing good, but no, I'm good, man. Just you know, stressed with the uh, finals and work and everything going on, especially the holiday season. But no, man. I mean, can't complain. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm well. So thankful for that. Uh, and yeah, this kind of is a nice escape from all of that to just hang out with the boys and talk footy. So I'm glad to be here with y'all this week. Uh, so what about you, man? How you doing? Yo, man, um, yeah, I'm chilling, man, you know, um, yeah, I'm doing good, man, can't complain, <laughs> not much else, um, excited to talk football, as you said, so yeah. Yeah, I'm sure no one cares how we're doing, so we'll just jump right into the World Cup. <laughs> All right, guys, round of 16 is done and dusted, we're on to the quarterfinals, I think we'll just kind of go game by game in the order that they came out, so, man, we gotta backtrack, what, at the beginning of this week, or last week, to... So they started on Saturday. Yeah, last Saturday, uh, it's been a while, um... But yeah, uh, first game we're going to recap is USA versus the Netherlands. And man, oh man, if you ask me to USA, they go out with their heads held high. Um, a lot of stuff I want to say, but I want to get y'all's initial reactions first. Yeah, I think, um, I forgot who said it, but I know I said it, and I think Aldo said it too. I don't know if you did. I don't remember, but we all, I think me and Aldo said it was a winnable game. And I think this proved it. Um, they had their fair share of chances, but I think this game more than anything proved um, that they need a better coach. Uh, I mean, my biggest criticism of the U.S. has been that Greg Berhalter is not their coach. He's not the coach to lead them forward. As you said, they leave with their held their heads held high, but I think if they had a better coach, they could have possibly beat um, Netherlands, and they would even look better going into 2026. But... Yeah, I think Von Hall even said, came out and said, he's like, our, our whole plan was to attack the flanks. He's like, and they didn't adjust. I think two first goals, maybe even third one, were a bit similar, you know? I mean, when a, when a wing back has his man of the match, I think it contributes to all three. I mean, it, I think it speaks levels on um, how tactically bad, tactically bad you set up. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think they just need a new coach, better coach. But heard rumors today, don't know how reliable that. They're looking to extend his contract, so if I was a U.S. fan, I'd be pretty upset about that, but yeah, that's, that's what I got to say, winnable game. Damn, well, I got a lot to say about that, especially with the stuff with Burhalter. but before I say that, Aldo, what about you, man? What, do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not as invested as you guys are, um, so I don't know the whole manager situation or anything like that, but I do want to give props to them. I mean, they did really well for a very young squad, inexperienced. Um, they in their group they were undefeated and and yeah they had their chances against this great Netherlands team I mean they got Louis van Gaal been undefeated and but they had their chances and they did get a pretty whether it be luck or not but it was a pretty nice goal the one that they got no the the little tap or the little flick by Haji right Uh, I don't know if he meant that I mean he's got to right that's if you're gonna try that out that's the only thing you're actually attempting in that position but yeah, what a lucky I goal. Mean, whether it was or not, it was still it was still a good goal. But yeah, they had their chances. They just and and it's something that I said before. They they were just lacking on that final shot, final pass. And Netherlands exposed that even more. But nonetheless, I think it's a great World Cup for them. Again, inexperienced squad made it as far as they did with and played the football that they did. Really good World Cup for them. Yeah, I agree with you, Aldo. Uh, I don't really agree with you, Saul, on some points, but yeah, I just want to quickly say that um, it is disappointing, but I guess that's what happens when you commit so many numbers forward. You're likely to get hit on counterattacks and leave spaces exposed and behind. And the three goals that Netherlands scored, like none of them were, they're nice built-up goals, but I don't think any of them were world beaters, you know? It's just simple errors from the U.S. that lead to those goals, whether it's, it's basic schoolyard stuff, you know? You're not tracking your runner you're not looking over your shoulder you're not marking your man you're not communicating with your goalkeeper or your center back it's just all a lot of stuff that could have been avoidable but nevertheless um they took their chances and they got exposed 
But yeah, man, going back to Greg Berhalter a little bit, I don't know if I agree with you, Saul. I think, I mean, I'm not the biggest Berhalter fan either. I never was, but I think he's been starting to convince me little by little in this World Cup, you know, the way the U.S. plays when they have possession, um, not so much when they defend and don't have possession, but it's promising. And going ahead and looking at 2026, you know, you look at this good group of uh, players that will be coming to their prime come that tournament and just just the camaraderie. How do you say that word? (laughs) Camaraderie around the squad. Um, You know, it's a good feeling and there are a lot of people are buddies in there. Um, I don't know if you necessarily want to switch coaches, especially if you're building towards a bigger project, which I think they are, but yeah, I'd be okay with Berhalter staying. Um, I th- obviously, that's up to other implications as far as how they do leading up to that tournament and how they do at that next World Cup that will be in the U.S. But, yeah, uh, he's definitely made a believer out of me. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I-, I can see your point. You know, he did play great against U.S. And you could... I mean, I, I don't. I would say the USA came out of uh, that their own group playing the best football. But at the same time, you know me. I've never rated Southgate, so I wasn't really. I want to say, mm, what would be the correct word? Um, I guess the best word to be surprised about um, him out uh, being a better tactician than Southgate in that game. But uh, yeah, I've always said, and I'll, and I'll keep on saying. Maybe Burhalter will grow on me like he's growing on you, but um, I've always said I think if they got a better coach, uh, so- someone European, like, no, nah, it doesn't have to be top tier, but, you know, maybe even like a Jesse, Jesse Marsh, someone like that, I think um, could really elevate that squad because I think they got a really great squad, as you said, young, and they're only going to get better, and now they've got that World Cup experience. So I feel like uh, an, not elite coach, but an, uh, a big step up from Greg Berhalter would be suit them really well, and I think I think if we saw them get a better coach, there would be no doubt about them being uh, the number one team in the Concacaf, possibly even maybe a top fifteen team in the world consistently if they got a better coach. In my opinion, but that's just my opinion. So last point or last question I want to ask y'all before we move on to the next game: uh, What? areas have you guys identified that are problematic and the u.s needs to fix uh i have identified two myself but i was just curious to see if you guys have similar issues or if you guys see something that i'm, that I'm not seeing home um, i was just gonna say center backs their two center backs are old i think walker Zimmerman and uh tim ream team rooms 34 he's still class but they are old and they're gonna need a uh, new center backs to come in for the next world cup but um I, and, and then they're finishing too, you know. They create a lot of chances. They just, as you, um, as we've said in the past, they don't make that final pass. They don't shoot at the correct time. They hesitate or something. So, yeah, I'd say their center backs and finishing is what they really need to work on or start to look to and for 2026 to really improve. Yeah, man, and you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, center backs definitely are getting up there in age. Um, there is promising talent coming through. You know, uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, who didn't play that much, but he's playing really well for Celtic. And uh, Chris Richards uh, hasn't really played a lot for Crystal Palace this season due to injuries, but he's definitely going to be up there for years to come. Hopefully, uh, what's the Atlanta United center back? Got injured right before the World Cup. Scored that winning goal against Mexico in the Gold Cup. Oof. Anthony Robinson. Uh-huh. No, no, Miles Robinson. Anthony is the left back. Uh, Miles Robinson. Uh, hopefully, he comes back to fit to fitness and he's uh, replicates the same form that he did right before he got injured but yeah center backs and even to go as further as finishing i think the u.s has never really developed a class striker i mean obviously they got people that can do a job up there but no one that's world class in that position like a christian pulisic or on the wing or a tyler adams at cdm so i think that's one area they can definitely improve on I thought Josh Sargent was the solution at this World Cup. Sadly, he didn't get to play this rant, this game versus the Netherlands. Um, they tried Jesus Ferreira. Um, I personally would have gone with Timothy Weah as the number nine. He's played that position for, before for PSG. Maybe he's the answer going forward. But I don't know, man. Uh, you got other players like Pepe and um, P. Falk who didn't get to sniff this World Cup. But definitely, I think someone should lock it down for years to come. And, yeah, hopefully that solves a lot of finishing problems like you guys are talking about for the U.S. squad. Anything else, sir? Move on to the next game. Yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Just finishing that final pass. It's, it's all all in the upper third for yeah. me. 
And uh, take nothing away from the Netherlands, who did, you know, a world-class performance on the day. Uh, shout out Denzel Dumfries, two assists, one goal. Uh, just world-class performance by him. Uh, but yeah, now let's move on to the Netherlands opponent, which is Argentina. I mean, they beat Australia. What was it at the end? 3-1? 2-1? 2-1, I think. Yeah. Uh, kind of came, came close in the last minutes, but I think overall Argentina were comfortable winners. Nice to see Messi finally get a knockout goal, and what a time to get it in his 1,000th game. I, I found this sad, and I just th- thought this was crazy. So he has 1,136 goals and assists in those 1,000 games. Um, you know, for those of you guys that are keeping track at score in the whole Messi versus Ronaldo debate, this is one you can definitely have over the Ronaldo fan base. But yeah, just a real good performance, not only by him, but by Argentina as a whole. What about, what do you guys think? Um, yeah, I think you said it, you know. I, I don't think we expected much out of Australia, but... It was a good performance. I think it could have easily been more. I think there was a couple chances Lautaro missed. I mean, there's a meme going around that. The new Higuain. <laughs> yeah, the new Higuain bit. It's been leaked that Julian Alvarez is going to keep starting. I mean, uh, I feel bad for Lautaro because he was crucial during the qualifiers. But in the World Cup, you got to go with who's in form, and that's Julian Alvarez. And unfortunately, the Lautaro's out of form. He's, I mean, Messi fed him a couple chances, which we should have he he put away at least one. And he couldn't, so... Got I feel for him, but yeah, I mean, Argentina comfortably could have won more. I mean, at the end, as you said, Australia got close. I mean, even their goal was a bit lucky. It took a deflection off Enzo Fernandez, so you know they got a bit lucky. But at the same time, you know, it was, it, it was a bit of a close call. So I think um, this Netherlands game is going to be, um, I think it's going to be real tough for them because Netherlands plays very defensive and counterattacking football. So and we saw how much they struggled against Mexico and Netherlands is way way higher quality in terms of players than Mexico. So I think it's going to be a struggle for Argentina and I don't want to jinx it, but I think we might even see Argentina go out. Um, uh, but you never know with Messi; he's inspired. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm getting off track now. But yeah, I think Argentina could have easily won more. It was comfortable, as you said, but. Yeah, Australia definitely gave Argentina a game. Um, I mean, it, it really came down to the last minute, too. Australia had a great chance to tie it up in the in the last minute. It didn't go through, but I think if Argentina doesn't step up, they, they will be eliminated by Netherlands. I mean, Netherlands have been very compact, very, um, very methodical in the way they're playing their football. Um, and I think they're going to... If Argentina doesn't step up, if they play the same way they did against Australia, which was pretty, in a sense, cocky in a way, and and lazy too. Cocky with lazy, which doesn't mix well. And they're going to get punished if they go like that towards the Netherlands. So to me, they got to step it up. I think they were lucky to go through um, against Australia. Yeah, I think uh, Argentina definitely had to step up. This is definitely the best opponent they've faced in this competition so far. But I think that for the challenge, you know, I think uh, Alexis McAllister has been very crucial to Argentina as far as, you know, breaking those defensive lines. I'm, Argentina as a whole, I think this squad's ability to unlock tight defenses we saw time and time again in the group stages versus Mexico and not so much versus Saudi Arabia, but more so especially against uh, Poland. Uh, they just, and now we saw it again versus Australia. Not the tightest defensive lines to break down, but I mean Argentina's ability to do just that is, I think, it's gonna take them far in this competition. But yeah, it should be a good one. Um, do y'all just want to give a prediction now, or do you guys just want to wait till the end and kind of go through them all at once? I think we should go through them all at once. All right, so let's just move on to the next game then, which is uh, France versus Poland. And I think we all know, knew going into this one who the winner would be. Um, pretty one-sided in the end. Poland, it was a good attempt, but uh, France is just too much. And especially Mbappe, he's just too much for this French squad right now. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, Poland had a couple chances. I think if they would have took one of those chances they had in that first half, they could have maybe surprised them, especially since they play very defensive. They score a goal, they just sit back. I think France would have really struggled a bit. You know, they couldn't take one of those chances, and, you know, they they lost. I mean, it was, um, I don't want to say it, but I think Poland was just happy to make it to the round of 16, honestly. That's what it felt like to me. Like, at the end, you didn't see none of their players, like, 
crying or really showing any emotion. It's kind of like they expected a loser versus France, and that was it. I mean, as I said, one of those chances early in the game could have changed the whole thing, but they didn't. And, yeah, I mean, Mbappe, I mean, has, I think, tied with Messi with nine goals in the World Cup and uh, one above Ronaldo for goals in the World Cup. But, yeah, I mean, Mbappe's on fire. I mean, the whole front three is on fire of Giroud, Dembele, and Mbappe, but... Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, we all kind of, uh, not threw them to the side, but kind of um, doubted them before the tournament started, and then they're looking strong as ever, so. Yeah, nice to see Olivier Giroud getting that goal that finally breaks the deadlock between him and Thierry Henry. Uh, congrats to him. He's now France's all-time top goal scorer, so that's good to see. Um, but really, I think the start of the show in this game was Mbappe. Um that's funny because watching this, I was like, man, Medi Cash is doing such a good job in this game, you know, holding him back. But then he gets loose once or twice. And one time, the first time, actually, he gets a goal. He gets a shot off and gets a goal. I mean, how much time did he have just to take the touch, look up and shoot? Um, he was awarded so much time there. And I think that was just poor defending by Poland. But yeah, man, this game was pretty one-sided. Um, one thing I do want to ask you guys, you guys think Giroud was robbed of the goal of the tournament so far? You know what I'm talking about? I I know I, I don't remember the goal, but I remember he scored one that was nice. Bro, you don't remember that bicycle kick? Yeah, well, I, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, I kind of do. But he was offside, wasn't he? I think the referee blew for was it offside or a foul right before the ball went up in the air, and then he tried that. So the flag went up, and the and the whistle blew right before he even attempted it. But yeah, I don't know, man. If that if they would have just waited a little bit, you know, maybe that's a uh, goal of the tournament. I mean. The way I remember it is uh, it was a good call. Like, I don't think the, good w- the goal would have stood regardless from what I remember. Because I think the goalie also heard the whistle or something and stopped trying. Kind of was just like, eh. Yeah. So, who, who knows? The man, 36-year-olds and throwing out scissor kicks like that. Damn. The acrobatics by that man. Uh, Aldo, you got anything to say? Or move on? No, nah, I mean, it was to me, it was France from the beginning. Um, they just... Made it look easy against Poland, not going to lie. Yeah, pretty scary to see what this team has in store for us in the quarterfinals and after that. But let's move on to England versus Senegal, another very one-sided game. Uh, for me, the difference maker in this game was Jude Bellingham. I mean, this really looks like his breakout campaign with England as far as solidifying a start in that midfield. Uh, yeah, I just think he's a player to look out for in the quarterfinals. The composure he had to wait at the right moment to score that ball to Henderson for his goal. Um, Henderson coming into the starting eleven. I think really um, frees up Jude Bellingham in terms of that attacking midfielder role. Uh, he's definitely the more progressive of those three between Rice, Henderson, and himself. Previously, we thought that was going to be Mason Mount. Um, kind of started the first couple of games, I think, alongside Jude Bellingham. But, man, Bellingham, he's just the player to look out for in this tournament, you know, feeding those, those forwards going forward. And, yeah, it's uh, kind of also scary coming from an England perspective. So I'm really excited for this England versus France game. Yeah, I mean... We got nothing much else to add, man. I mean, to me, and I'm not trying to hate on England, but this was a boring match to me, honestly. Like, I think I think it was because um, Senegal wasn't creating anything. Like, this, they had one shot on target. They didn't really create anything. I mean, we've said it throughout the tournament, maybe, with Mane's different bit. I mean, England looked good. They did their job, and yeah, on to the next round. Yeah. Also, shout-out Harry Kane. I think he's one goal away now from being England's all-time top goal scorer, overtaking Rooney, so... Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, players breaking that margin for their countries in this World Cup tournament. Uh, what a better tournament to have it at than the World Cup. So that's one to look out for. He also got his, that's also his first goal of this campaign, of this World Cup, excuse me. So good to see him finally getting in and amongst the goals, apart from assist. But yeah, what about you, Aldo? Your Manchester United boys doing you proud? Uh, it wasn't Rashford's best game. He had his moments. I mean, he didn't even start. But I think Senegal just showed England too much respect. Um because they made it look easy. England did make it look easy. Um, that Bellingham goal, that Kane goal, I mean, wow. But it, it sets up a really good matchup between France and England. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Yeah, what do you think about Harry Maguire's resurgence at this World Cup, bro? You think it's just down to the system, the coach, the opposition, or is he just, you know, this good? <laughs> We're not seeing it. Because don't get me wrong. I think it's... He was coming into a good part of form or patch of form too right before the World Cup, but man, I don't think anyone expected this. Well, I think it's it's uh, it's more or less the team 
that he's in, uh, the environment that he's in. And we always know known that Tournament Maguire is actually, you know, the best Maguire. We, Maguire. We've known that. He's shown it in the in the 2018 World Cup. He's shown it in the Euros. So Tournament Maguire is the one that all United fans wants to, want to see and all the English fans want to see as well. So he's done really well. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we'll just see if he can continue on to the club and bring that happen. I don't think so because Licha has been doing pretty well as well and he's continuing his form. But we'll see what happens in, what, three weeks' time around there? Yeah. By then we'll have Chris back on the podcast, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was funny. You guys know that uh, that noise, that TikTok sound where it's like Gangsters in Paradise and then they say Harry Maguire. And it's mm-hmm. always a video of him messing something up. But I, I saw this funny video. It's like, who's going to stop France in the quarterfinals? And it was that buildup to the Gangsters in Paradise sound. And then Harry Maguire popped up. And yeah, that'll be an interesting matchup. But we all know who's going to win that. Anyways, let's just move on. So uh, these next few games are more exciting, uh, a little bit more exciting as far as drama and penalties and late drama and overtime and stuff like that. The first of which, uh, Croatia, they broke Japan's hearts in the penalty shootout. Shout out to Croatia's goalkeeper, Dominic Levekovic. Uh, if I butcher that, I apologize. But yeah, starting goalkeeper for Dynamo Zagreb, saved three penalties for Croatia and yeah, man. I mean, what more can you say? Croatia and Japan level after 90, level after overtime, and they had to go down to penalties with the first penalty shootout of this tournament. And I thought it was well-deserved, or it's not well-deserved. I thought it was good timing after seeing so many teams just blow other teams out of the water. So, yeah, I was pretty entertained. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I've read this interesting stat. I don't remember it quite, but I think it said it was it was before the, the match started, and someone's like, it's easy to predict what's going to happen between Croatia and Japan. And they said that in all their past major tournaments, their first knockout game had always gone to extra time or penalties. And that's exactly what happened. So, um, but let me just say all credit to Livakovic. Don't know how you pronounce it. But um, all credit to him. Played amazing. But to Japan took some of the worst penalties I've ever seen. Like, no joke. Some of the worst savable penalties I've seen. I was just... I've seen worse. Dude, I mean... In terms of getting the shot on target, they were some of the worst penalties I've seen. I was like, bro, these are these are all savable and like they they, they just no power, no no precision, no nothing. It was just either a little too much to the center and it, it, they were just awful penalties, but yeah, and I think Japan still had a even had a couple chances. So yeah, they they leave with heartbreak, but um yeah, I mean Japan is one of these teams constantly improving. So I think they're a team to watch out for next World Cup. Yeah, definitely. I think every major tournament going forward, dude, this Japan squad, they they surprised us last World Cup, and this World Cup, it just wasn't really a surprise at this point. But yeah, I think next World Cup, we can definitely expect them to you know, finish either one or two in the group and make it out and make us do some damage in the knockout phase. Oh, yeah, most, most definitely. Um, you know, it, it broke my heart, too, to see Japan, Japan, eh, Japan go Japan. out. Japan. But... I mean, I really like that team. Again, they, they've worked really hard in that infrastructure, um, you know, with re- raising their talent. Uh, you can see that with, I mean, what's that guy, Ito? I mean, that guy's pretty good, really, really good. You can also see it with uh, Kubo, how he's been at Real Madrid for a bit. So it really shows um, what they can do. So, yeah, very exciting for the future. But, man... Those were really atrocious penalties, but I I don't know which one's worse, Spain or yeah, Spain's were pretty bad. Oh, so that's what I wanted <laughs> Spain to say. Or, or, like, or Japan? I'll uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, I just want I want to hold it until we got to Spain because mm, my word. Uh, you know who else is very heartbroken about Japan going out? No. The custodians at the World Cup, bro, the ones that clean the stadium after. <laughs> oh my! No, shout out True. Japan. They started that trend last World Cup, and it's just uh. They've continued it. Yeah, it's just, you know, a world-class by their, their fans. Uh, really good to see. No other nation in the world does that. So, yeah, maybe we should be taking notes. But nevertheless, uh, Japan was a good run. Uh, so we go from one Asian team being knocked out to another. This one, not so much in um, heartbreaking or, I guess, equalizing fashion. This was more of a just a 4-1 whooping by Brazil. Don't get me wrong, that Korean goal was nice, but damn, bro, Brazil. Are they a team to look out for or what? 
Brazil looks amazing. I think I said it before. I think Brazil and France looks like the teams to beat. But yeah, what a banger by South Korea. Um, I was gonna mention. Oh yeah, the dancing. What y'all? I mean, it's in the newspaper, dude. It's ridiculous, dude. It's uh, it's it's simple. If you don't want them to dance, then don't let them score, bro. It's that simple. I mean. Dude, I, mean, it is I saw that too. From Ocho Cinco? Is that where you got that from? No, I just... that's just he how I, against it? Well, he, that's exactly what he said, what Soul just said. Oh, he no. just said, if you don't want them to celebrate, don't let them score. No, bro, I got it from... Uh, no, I didn't get it from anywhere. That's just how I've always thought it. But, and plus, I'm watching the, the coverage from Telemundo, bro. So how am I going to see Ocho Cinco? <laughs> but, it's just annoying, dude. It's just like every single time. It's just like, dude, they talk about the dancing, bro. It's like, you know they're going to dance. I mean, I don't even think... Uh, maybe it was a little on the side of disrespectful, you know, when they were dan- when they did like... I think they did one dance, and then they were leaving, and then they called them back, and they did another dance, and I was like, all right. I mean, I wouldn't even see it as disrespectful. It's just like, all right, get on with it. Come on. Like, Wait, so do you find it annoying the fact that they're dancing or annoying the fact that the media is like... Y'all should stop dancing. Or the media's giving it so the much me- attention. The media's just giving it unnecessary attention, bro. It's like, they've always done it. Like, the only one, I think it was first or second goal, where they did one dance, and then they were leaving, and then they came back and did another dance. That's I was like, all right, that's a bit annoying, but it wouldn't piss me off. I was just like, come on, man. Like, two dances, you know you're going to... The, the way I saw it is like, you know that you're going to beat their ass. You don't need to dance <laughs> this long. <laughs> so that, that's how I saw it, and then... Uh, the coach joined in. I thought that was fun. Oh, yeah, Chichi like, got in on it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that's fun. You know, nothing wrong with that. But, yeah, man, I just think it's annoying the amount of attention the media gives. It's like, bro, just leave it alone. There's the They're looking into it. They're making it deeper than it has to be. But, yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. The media pays too much attention to that. Um, I Just let them do it, bro. And honestly, I wasn't really for this going into the World Cup or just really in football in general. But... I don't know, man. I'm kind of, you know, uh, lighting it up to it. You know, I'm pretty active on social media, so I see, like, all these trends of, like, you know, people trying out uh, Lucas Paqueta's dance in general. I vibe with it. I get down with it. But, yeah, I mean, at some point you got to show some respect. But I don't know, man. It's just basically a party. I think that's how Brazil looks at this. You know, it's part of their culture. We've seen this since the days of Roladinho, um, just how instilled in their culture it is. And, yeah, I think it's beautiful to see. But... You know, I think we'll ask that question of how far is too far when it crosses that line. I don't think it has just yet. But, I mean, why, why wouldn't you dance when, you know, Neymar's back? He gets an assist, a goal, um, one goal away from Pelé's record. That's another international player that's looking to overtake the top goal scorer for his country. Uh, Richarlison continues his incredible tournament. Marquinhos and Thiago Silva, bro, I don't know what they were doing up there to link up to set up uh, Paqueta in the third goal. But, yeah, man, just uh, smiles all around for Brazil. Um Sad for did they? Sorry, did they celebrate in the first goal or like the last goal or, or when did they so do it? I think they did a first, second. I want to say they did all four, didn't they? I th- I don't think they did it for one goal. I think one goal they didn't do it, but they did. It, I think for three out of the four goals. But look, the last thing I'll say on this is the only way I'll ever find it annoying is if um another team scores on them and dances and they take offense to it and they yeah. they're, they're like no 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 they can't do it. that's disrespectful or something that's the only way i think i'd ever be like nah like nah that, that ain't cool but otherwise it is fine i think even Vinny yeah. said that so yeah. um, let them dance yeah what a goal by uh park shung ho i think that's how you say it i might have butchered that if i did i apologize oh, what a goal what a banger way to go out with a with a bang literally but uh uh, no, man. Then today in the press conference, there was, I think, an interview with Vinicius. I'm not sure who the other person was, but do you guys see that video that went it went kind of viral? There was a cat just chilling on the podium, and the guy from Brazil just literally yeeted it off the platform, bro. And, man, uh, a lot of people are not getting behind Brazil for that. It's because he had, uh, what's his name? He had Kurt Suma in his ear. <laughs> oh, God. Honestly. Nah, bro. I mean... I mean, let's 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 not blow it out of proportion either. It was probably like a four foot table, and you know, cats always land on their feet. But I don't know the way he just grabbed it and kind of was like, "Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> bro!" I uh, thought he was gonna, I thought he was gonna pet it, and then he's just like, "Yeah." <laughs> I mean, he didn't get it. He honestly just grabbed it and then dropped it. Yeah. He didn't just like they. I saw people like, "Oh, he just yeeted it," but I think it's just exaggeration. He just legit grabbed it and dropped it, like yeah. got it off the platform. He wasn't just like, "All right, get the fuck out of here," and tossed it like twenty feet or something. You guys seen that video of uh, the Lion King when they do the Simba thing at the very beginning? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's the monkey's name? Uh, what's this the monkey's name? 
Rafika, something like that. Oh, Rafiki. Yeah, Rafiki. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of doing holding him up, he just goes yeah. <laughs> Someone made a video about that with the cat. I thought it was funny, but uh, not Brazil. Along with France and the next team, we're going to talk about Portugal. Uh, look to be one of the favorites coming in. But before we get to Portugal, uh, we got to talk about Morocco versus Spain. I mean, would y'all even call, call it an upset at this point? I was kind of rooting for Morocco, but. Man, did they just sit back, park the bus, or what? Bro, I mean, you know how I feel about... There's certain teams I like to see... Not not certain teams, it's just like... There's certain situations when I like to see a team park the bus and like just annoy the other team. Um, but, dude, yeah, dude, it's just they parked the bus. I mean, that's what they came to do. It was their game since the first minute. We're going to park the bus, hit you on the counter, and win, but... At the same time, as I said with Japan, dude, these were some of the worst penalties I've ever seen, you know? I mean, but before I get too ahead of myself, dude, it was just, um, it was just a lot of useless passing of side to side. I think this is the problem with Pep and Xavi. Now, I wouldn't say Pep so much now, but more so Pep in the past, but Pep, Xavi, and Luis Enrique all come from, like, the same school of thought of training, where it's like they pretty much pass the ball into the net and this is this is a problem with teams that part of the bus is if you just pass it, you're just gonna end up passing all the way around, not do anything. Sometimes you'll break it down, but uh, I think it wasn't until like overtime. It was the first time I think I saw, I think it was Rodri uh, from City. He took a long shot, like a, a shot from distance. And that was the first time I saw that. And I was like, this is the problem. Like they, they just so focused on passing the ball into the net that it's like, you need to, once you see a team park the bus, you need to try different stuff, like long shots to draw out defenders, try to create space behind them. But they just passed it, which I think pissed people off. Cause I mean, they complete over a thousand passes. And what's good complete over a thousand passes if you do nothing with it? Like, like I know Spain likes to play possession football and stuff, but what good is having the ball if you're not doing anything with it, which is what Spain did. It's just useless passing side to side, try to break them down, and they just did nothing. They should have done different stuff, which I think is what a lot of people are frustrated with Luis Enrique. We see it at um, Xavi's bar. Some people like shoot from distance, and we used to see it with Pep, but Pep's kind of evolutionized his game a bit where he's not as restrictive anymore when he encourages a bit of shots. But, I mean, yeah, but... As I said, dude, Spain, some of the worst penalties I've seen, bro. It was just ridiculous. I mean, and then I think it was, it was, I didn't get to see him, but I think it was Soler, Sarabia. Busquets. And Busquets took the first three. And like Sarabia and Soler have had very very little to like no participation. So I think to put that pressure on them is, it was a lot. And then uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but supposedly Luis Enrique is set to leave Spain. I mean, I think fourth coach to, I don't know, I don't even know if he's going to be sacked, but he's set to leave in the next 24 or 48 hours. And they're supposed, they said they're U, Spain's U21 coach's best position to take over. So that'd be, in, that's interesting. I don't, I don't rate their U21 coach, so I don't know how that'll be, but uh, yeah, I mean, Lucho, I mean, I, I love the guy, you know, ex-Barca coach, love the guy. But I just think, um, he brought a lot of this onto himself. I mean, before, I think on his Twitch streams, he was saying, he's just like, oh, all my players who have taken a minimum of a thousand penalties that like before going to, before coming to the World Cup. So he brought a lot of unnecessary attention and um, problems to himself with those Twitch streams. But I like the Twitch streams. They were entertaining. They were to connect with the fans and stuff. So it sucks because, you know, you just know what the Madrid media is going to be on him. But... As I said, three of the worst penalties I've ever seen, bro. It's just, yeah. Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, one, the penalties were atrocious, but take nothing away from Bono, who was terrific in goal that day. Uh, and yeah, man, just to kind of speak on that point, I want to ask you guys this question. Um, Saul kind of alluded to it, but is Tiki Taka dead? And you know, Saul mentioned over a thousand passes, a thousand and nineteen to be exact. Seventy-seven percent possession in this game, and only one shot on target for Spain. So, yeah, man, do you guys think the game has just surpassed Tiki Taka or it's just the players he's utilizing? But, yeah, man, you got to you gotta narrow down to what the problem is, essentially. And I think it's the lack of a... I said this from the very beginning of the World Cup. It's the lack of having a prolific striker. Yes, they had Morata, but I don't know, man. Maybe similar to the U.S., they need to evolve that role and just bring someone in that knows how to finish. Personally, I don't, I don't think it's dead, but I think it needs to be... 
evolutionized like Pep has done. Pep still plays Tiki Taka. Like a lot of the concepts of Tiki Taka he still uses, but he evolutionized it to adapt with the modern game. Like he used to... I think I saw a video where he used to talk like I don't like like 50 yard long balls over the top he's just like he's like I don't like that that's a waste of time and then you occasionally now you see City do it uh, he used to not like he like he always said I like passing the ball into the back of the net now it's like distant shots but Enrique and Xavi I think they kind of need to get on that train of thought like they're still on that live or die by Tiki Taka it's like if we don't win by Tiki Taka we're not winning at, like I'd rather lose and stuff but it's like I think they need to go Pep way, evolutionize it, like, you know, encourage stuff they wouldn't usually encourage, like long balls or shooting from distance, uh, stuff like that, I think. But I, I wouldn't say it's dead. I think football's evolutionized, and I think Tiki Taka, a lot of the concepts are still relevant today, but at the same time, if I guess in a way, Tiki Taka, like what Pep created and like what it was originally, in a way, is dead, but overall the concepts and stuff i don't think is dead so yeah i mean at the end of the day you got to feel at least a little bit bad for spain this is their second tournament second major tournament in a row they go out in penalties um and yeah just heartbreaking stuff they they just like that prolific finisher or even just finishing in general up top so that's one area to improve on but i mean come on dude with the talent they got coming up the ring so likes of pedri gavi uh, Garcia in the back, uh, Torres, Oyasabar, who didn't even go to the World Cup, Balde. I mean, they're going to be, they're set for years to come. It's just finding the right coach and the right system. But yeah, let's move on to their, unless you have anything to say, Aldo? Yeah, man. I mean, that's what that motherfucker gets, not taking the hair. <laughs> you know, uh, to be to be honest, if you look at the uh, Japan's defeat against, I mean, sorry, not Japan, Spain's defeat against Japan. The hair would have not let that first goal happen. All right. The reason it was a mistake by the keeper trying to pass it instead of just kicking the ball out, the hair would have just kicked the shit out of the ball. He's like, nah, I ain't having it here. Out. But Simon tried to pass it, lost possession, and then he got scored on. You know what's crazy, though? Yeah, and he almost did it again in this game. <laughs> exactly. Was crazy. So that's what I'm saying. The hair, the hair would have just kicked it out. He's like, nah, nah, I ain't having it. And the you all know what's crazy, so that's, though? That's what Spain's gets. You, you all know what's crazy, though, Aldo, is Unai Simon might replace uh, the hair in United because it doesn't look. <laughs> I, I don't know if they're good. Well, no. I, I haven't heard of them re- trying to renew him because he's not the profile of goalie that. Ted Hogg wants, and I heard United were interested in Simon, so yeah, it looks like De has not finished, but he's going to have to find a new club, especially with the wages he's had. I don't think he wants to take a wage reduction either, so yeah, I've heard Unai Simon might replace him. Nah, bro, it ain't, it ain't happening. It ain't happening, I'll coach say, but y'all should have just taken the hat, bro. Y'all probably would have still been you know, going against uh, who's Marco going against? Uh, Brazil. Oh, Portugal. Portugal. There you go, Spain versus Portugal. Classic. Yeah. Uh, so let's just move on to Spain's border rivals. It's a woman. I mean, not Seoul. I guess Seoul and Aldo both mentioned there. Portugal. Yeah, man. No Ronaldo, no problem. It seems like every team is doing better without Ronaldo, whether it's club or country. But yeah. Uh, it also seems like Fernando Santos completely switched his entire coaching statistics and tactics overnight, man. I mean, this guy was playing Park the Buzz football in the Euros and qualifiers, and now he's just telling his team to he kind of like uh, let the dogs out, you know, just told them to wreak havoc as much as they can. But yeah, I think the real star of the show here is uh, Ronaldo's replacement, 21-year-old Gonzalo Ramos, uh, who replaced Ronaldo and scored a hat-trick. Uh, it's the first hat-trick First player to score a hat-trick in the knockout phase of the World Cup since 1990, and the first player since Miroslav Klose in 2002 to score a hat-trick in their first start in the World Cup. And, you know, kind of, for me at least, this guy was an unknown entity going into this until I saw him starting, but has pretty good stats for Benfica this season. Like I mentioned, 21 years old, 9 goals and 1 assist in 11 Liga Nos games this season so far. And yeah, man, pretty much uh, replaced the output Darwin Nunez had there, and before that, Joao Felix. Benfica, man, they're just a number nine, uh, what's the word? Just academy <laughs> product, I guess. But yeah, what do you guys think? 
Bro, I don't want to be that guy. Cause I'm not. I'm not trying to be that guy. But um, I. I'm not gonna say I found him out, but I had heard about him. I had heard that the reason they didn't even let Nunez go so easily, but I heard they were happy to let him go because they had. I had heard that they had. I had heard a lot of good things about Ramos, and I had him in the ranks, and that people within Benfica believed he was gonna be better than Nunez. So, I mean. It's still early on, you know, first start hat trick is promising, but you never know. It's still like his first season being a full starter, so you don't know. But he does look promising. But overall, I mean, dude, Portugal this game, as you said, it looked like their um, tactics were completely different. Like, it, it just looks like it was different. Like, I hate to say it, but it looked like Ronaldo was holding them back, bro. <laughs> it looks like... I think we said it before, but and it sounds like we're shitting on him. But it just looks like when Ronaldo's on the field, everyone's trying to play to him, like play through him, play to him, trying to get him goals and stuff. But when he's not, everyone's just a lot better, in my opinion. And yeah, dude, Portugal, I mean, they look good. At the same time, this is the first game they've looked like this, so we don't know. But yeah, I mean, as I said, it with Julian Alvarez, I'll say with Ramos, it's like you got to go with the high hand. The guy's in form. So, in my opinion, Ronaldo should be benched next game. No no questions about it. But, yeah, dude, Portugal, I mean, they play like this. Dude, they're looking like one of the favorites, man. <laughs> hey, they look not unstoppable, but, damn, they do look good. It's just like, where has this – this is the team I've been asking. This is how I've been asking for Portugal to play for such a long time. But, yeah. yeah, guys. I mean, I think it was all just a ruse at the beginning, you know, just playing all defensively just so when the, you know, <laughs> the real show happens, bam. But no, nah, man, I mean, it's just crazy how this Portugal team is clicking. I mean, you got William Carvalho coming in. You got uh, Bruno Fernandes doing his job. You got Guerrero getting a goal as well. Uh, Bramos, you know, the star of the show, getting a hat trick. And even Rafael Leal, I mean, coming in as a sub, getting a banger of a goal. Um, this is a Portugal that, yeah, we've all, we've all knew that was there. We've all wanted to see, and it's happening. Um, but now it's, you know, I think there was a lot of freedom given by Switzerland to this Portugal side because they, they were also going in to try to get a goal, um, to, you know, to try and win this thing, as you should. But... Coming up with Morocco, I think Morocco, they're going to go in the same game plan, you know, kind of park the bus a bit, wait for those chances, and hopefully they're going to see if they can finalize chances because they had a lot. Uh, they had a good chunk of chances against Spain. I mean, Morocco should have won this in the first 90 minutes if not, and not go to penalties. But, yeah, man, I mean, I'm excited for that Morocco match and waiting to see what happens in, you know, the final. Suey! Well, I mean, we'll even be a part of it, dude. Because after this performance, if I'm Fernando Santos, I'm, I'm not. I'm just letting this guy sit on the bench the entire tournament. Not the entire tournament. He'll definitely come in and play some minutes later on on some tired defenses. But dude, the way they played, I mean, Jao Felix looked like Jao Felix that is priced at 80 million euros. Uh, Bruno Fernandez, he's coming on great patches of form for United and Portugal recently, and that's all without Ronaldo. But yeah, dude, I don't know. I just I feel like he he'd be a bit bit part player at this point for Portugal. No, most of I think he is better as a bench player. You know, he is more of a super he can sub. have a bigger impact. Yeah, as a super sub, um, he he just has to realize that. Don't get me wrong; that's not going to take away everything he's done in his career. That's not going to take away the fact that if Portugal do end up winning it, that he didn't play a part in it because you know he was a huge part for them in the qualifiers, um, in the knockout rounds, and. <laughs> Even though before that, you know, because I think this was, what, his first game not being in the starting lineup since 2008, I think. Damn, I didn't know that. In a major tournament. So you can't deny that. And if Portugal draw on a gun and win it, if I was Ronaldo, I would definitely be happy that my country won and I was a part of it. Whether it was from the bench or from starting or from wherever. Yeah, we saw that at the Euros. <laughs> I mean, also, I think Pepe, center back, became the oldest player to score in the knockout round. I think 39 years old when, on something days. But now I don't want to keep shitting on Ronaldo, but man, I just. Nah, let's do it. <laughs> I, I just don't think his um, ego will allow him. Like, 
I think at one point he's going to be like, nah, I need to play. Like, you saw he's a free agent right now, and the only club that was interested it was a Saudi club. There's rumors that he's accepted. There's other rumors that he hasn't. Who who really knows? Probably will know once the World Cup's over. But the reason I mention that is because um, I think it just proves that he, he's... I hate to say it, but finished at a top level. Like, no club wants him. I mean, I feel some clubs would want him if he lowered his wages, but it's just he doesn't want to do any of that. He doesn't want to lower his wages. He doesn't want to be a super sub. He doesn't want to, like, do all this stuff. Yeah, and but no club wants him as a starter. But, yeah, he's just like, no, I need to be paid this money, this. I need to be a starter. But his demands do not match his performances. So I just... Yeah, I just feel like he's at that age, man. It's just, he, he can't believe that he's benched now. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just, I just don't think he believes it or he wants to believe it. You know, they say father time catches everyone, and I think it's caught up to him, and he just doesn't want to accept the reality, unfortunately. But still, I think he'd still be a great player to super sub, whether his ego allows him to do that, only he knows. Um, I've had this conversation with a few people over the past few days, but... Yeah, dude, Ronaldo, he's slowly becoming that luxury player that, you know, you just, he does one job, he does it really well, but apart from that, he doesn't do anything. And we've said this before on this podcast, if he's having a great day, having a great game, if he's scoring, the entire team is performing. And when he's not, the entire team is, you know, essentially not performing as well. So, yeah, uh, I think the game, especially the modern game, modern football has definitely surpassed him in that sense. Uh, It is sad to see because he is such a legend. Um... But man, uh, I really think that all he's good for now is just, you know, coming in as a super sub, like we said, and uh, rising up high for those headers. And when you need that goal in the last dying minutes or even looking beyond that in penalties because his penalty record is flawless. But yeah, a bit sad to see. But yeah, I definitely do think Portugal and the coach should really just have him as a bit part player going forward if they have big ambitions. All right. So that was all the round of 16 games. Y'all just want to move on and kind of do our little bracket once again. Hopefully one of us gets it 100% right this time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, why not? Hey, guys, I got a I gotta dip. But I'll see you guys. It's been fun. All right, real quick, just say who you think is going to win. <laughs> uh, like the whole thing or go game by game? Well, if you have time, game by game. But if you don't, just do the whole thing. So Netherlands, Argentina, I say Netherlands. Um, Spain, uh, not Spain. Morocco or Portugal, Portugal. Um, England, Brazil. Wait, hold on. France was England. Actually, I'm actually gonna say England. Um, and then France. Who's Brazil? Brazil Croatia. Going against? Croatia, Brazil. Mm-hmm. All right, and then. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, and then Netherlands, Brazil. Yeah. I'm actually gonna switch. I was thinking of Brazil, but now I'm gonna go with Netherlands. Going to the to the final, uh, and then England versus Portugal. That's a good one. I want to say Portugal, and final is going to be Netherlands Portugal, and Portugal is going to win it. Silly. <laughs> All right, all the thanks. Have a good game. See you guys. Bye. Doesn't say. I wonder if he hangs up. Then if we stop recording, I think- but no, I think we're good. I think I got all my oh all my predictions except the Spain one were right last week. Oh, you went for Spain instead of Morocco? Yeah, dude, I should have believed the Morocco more, dude. I was hyping them up in the group stages. I Even in this game, I thought, that, ah, dude, I need to believe in them more. So yeah. If any Moroccans listen to, to me, to us, um, I apologize to you. I should have believed more. I do not, because me and all the correctly predicted them to go through, so let's go. But yeah, I got a uh, couple other games wrong. So yeah, man, how do you want to do this? You want to go individually or you want to just kind of go through it game by game and you say who you think, I say who I think. We have a little argument. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we can do that. Just all right, one by one. And so let's start <clears throat> with the first game. So this kicks off uh, Friday, December 9th, I think at 8 a.m. our time, which is mountain time. Uh, and then it goes all the way through Saturday. So two games a day, uh, regular time slots. That's good to see. But the first one is Croatia versus Brazil. And I think this is, I think honestly this is the most easily swayed one. I think this one heavily favors Brazil. Croatia is aging. I'm surprised they made it this far. Um, They are a good squad. And I think after this tournament, they need a complete revamp. Uh, Modric is definitely on his last legs, along with Perisic and a couple other players. 
But yeah, dude, Brazil and the form they're on, and I mean, they're, they're just gonna have another dance party. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, you never want to underestimate any teams in the World Cup, especially Croatia, because I feel like Croatia gets under underestimated a lot, and you know that's what motivates them. They like going under the radar and then surprising teams. But I just think Brazil's firepower is too much for any team at the moment. I don't think any defense can handle. I mean, Richarlison, Rafinha, and. Uh, Vinicius, Neymar, Baqueta, dude, it's just too much. And then their defense is solid too. So, yeah, it, I gotta go. With, I gotta agree, Brazil. Yeah, the last time these two teams squared off in a World Cup was 2014, that opening game. And yeah, what was it, 3 1, 4 1? I don't remember. Uh, pretty much uh, similar squads as, as far as key players for both teams. So, yeah, I expect nothing uh, but a similarity, res- similar result here. So let's move on to their opponent that they're going to face in the semifinals. It's going to be the winner of Netherlands versus Argentina. And bro, we mentioned it. This is going to be a good test. Probably the best test for Argentina in this in this World Cup so far. But you know what, man? I think they're up to it. Like you said earlier, I think Messi is on a quest. Uh, he's He wants this World Cup so bad, not just for himself, but I think for Argentina. And I think that's the first time we can say that in a while for Messi and Argentina. Um, but I do fear for them because... They play a similar formation and tactics as the U.S. did, and we saw how Netherlands just completely exposed that, going out to the wide areas with, with wingbacks. I kind of fear that this game will be more or less the same. But, yeah, I'm going to stick with Argentina, bro. It's going to be narrow, but I think they'll pull it out. Dude, this one, oof. This one's a toss-up, man, because it's just... Um, dude, I really don't know, but... Because, I, I, as I said, I think Netherlands... Dude, it's just it's, it's Messi, dude. If Messi feels inspired, if Messi wants to carry that team to the final, he will. Because that's just who he is. I mean, we saw him do it at Barca countless times when he just was inspired. He was willing. He wanted to carry the team. He would. But, dude, I, I don't know. For some reason, I have a feeling it's gonna end in heartbreak. I think Netherlands goes through for some for some reason. Like, there's no reason behind that. I just have a feeling that Netherlands goes through. So I think it'd be Netherlands Brazil. And what a semifinal match that will be. Mm-hmm. But, damn, before we get to that, we got to get to the other side of the bracket. First game that kicks off on Saturday is Morocco versus Portugal. And, you know, before Portugal came out and performed versus Switzerland how they did, I would have said, yeah, Morocco's just going to this, ride this wave of momentum all the way to the semifinal. But I don't know, man. Uh, similar to Argentina, Netherlands, I'm kind of fearful for that. But you know what? I'm going to back Morocco. I think it's going to be one of those feel-good stories. Uh, we They've proven how good they can be at parking the bus and just sitting tight and playing for penalties. But they're also dangerous on the counterattack, bro. I mean, uh, two of their best attacking defenders in the world are Hakimi and uh, Marzawi. Marzawi. And then, obviously, they have Hakim Ziyech, uh, El Nasiri, who can do a lot of damage up top, um, but also do a good job in the defense. Yeah, I think uh, Morocco is going to get the upset here. Bro believe <laughs> no 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 so this, this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna say portugal goes through and then morocco's gonna actually go through but i'm gonna say portugal you know keep it keep it going you know i've doubted i'm not doubting them this time but i'll just say portugal and then morocco will end up going through but dude this is a close game i mean it should be portugal on paper especially with ramos and how everyone's performing but you never know so i'll say portugal I forgot to say this for the last game, too. Um, let's just backtrack to it. Uh, obviously, we all know in the last time Netherlands and Argentina played each other in the World Cup. Uh, that semifinal match in 2014, and it came down to penalties. Uh, what a win it was for Argentina. Obviously, these two squads look completely different, but definitely the history is in favor with Argentina. As far as Morocco and Portugal, a bit of the same. The last time these two teams played each other in the World Cup was 1986, where... Morocco won 3-1, so history is definitely on their side as well. But then you go to two teams that have a very shared history or equal history, uh, for lack of a better term, is England-France, the last of the quarterfinal games. This, for me, is obviously the round of, or the match of the quarterfinals. I think it's the most entertaining. It's going to be the one that most people are going to view. It's just the two, two European giants, two teams with insanely stacked rosters. Honestly, it's kind of like a coin flip, but... I'm going to go for England just for the pure fact that I don't want France as repeating champions. I don't want them anywhere close to that, man. Uh, I love parity, and yeah, I think uh, I think England and Southgate are a good squad. I think they can pull it out, but it's going to be tough. I'm going to have to um, disagree with you. I'm going to go with France. Um, 
If I'm being honest, I'd rather have France repeat than England win it just because the pure fact I know if England wins it, their fans are going to be insufferable. <laughs> They're just going to be true. touting everywhere that they won and that it finally came home. But not, it's, that's not even the reason I'm choosing France. I just think France, dude, I mean, we doubted them. We talked about how their midfield wasn't good, all this stuff. Yet they're on fire. And we forget, dude, Mbappe, he's a baller, dude. I think, I think he's going to tear that defense apart. I think, you know, he's going to... He's going to make people... He's going to turn Maguire into the Manchester Maguire we've seen. So, I just think France's firepower is too much. So, yeah, I'll go with France. So, what I will say is I think the difference maker in this game will definitely be the midfield battle. I mean, come on. You look at France's squad who has been very good. But, you know, I would really back, you know, like so Bellingham, Rice, and Henderson to win a midfield battle over Shulmany and Rabiot. Uh, two players that one is really young and inexperienced and two is really inconsistent and uh, sporadic for lack of a better term but yeah I just think the midfield is what's going to win England this game bro and they're going to feed those balls forward to the forwards are out wide to the wingers and that's how the game's going to be played Uh, hopefully that's what England is hoping for as well so that way they just starve Mbappe and Dembele and Griezmann of any service that they can but yeah it's going to be tight it's going to be real tight dude Chomeni's been balling though you think he had like not the highest pass completion rate. I think he had like 95 plus percent of his passes completed. He's been balling. He's gone under the radar a bit. Well, that's beside the point, though. Yeah, definitely one to look out for. Dude, show many versus Bellingham. What a what a matchup that'll be. But yeah, man. Uh, so that sets up. Uh, well, we have that. We have a couple differences, but we both agree for the semifinal match of Brazil Argentina. Who do you think comes no, out on I, top? I of went that? with Netherlands. Oh, you did? Yeah, I just oh. I said I had a feeling that it was nothing against Argentina or anything, but I just have a feeling Netherlands. You know? All right. So hypothetically, I guess we'll go through my hypotheticals and then yours. Uh, yeah, I guess Brazil's the only one we agreed on then. But uh, yeah, hypothetically, Brazil, Netherlands, I mean, I'd still go for Brazil <laughs> just for the firepower alone. Would you agree? Yeah, I said Brazil. I, I, I have Brazil regardless, just... Their firepower is too much, man. And we've seen teams this tournament try to park the bus, and then Brazil is just so consistent, and relentless with their attack. They eventually break down, and then they got their they got he's got too much firepower. So yeah, I say I have Brazil going to the final. All right, my hypothetical: Brazil, Argentina. <laughs> In your opinion, you think Argentina can pull out a win and make a final again? Um, dude, I don't know with this Brazil squad. It's just. Dude, yeah. this Brazil squad's just stacked. But as I said, Messi, dude, Messi can will his team to anything he wants. So, no, I, I just, no, dude, Brazil's just too much. I mean, Brazil's just would be too motivated. They want to get revenge for Copa America. I mean, Pelé, we didn't even mention, but supposedly he's been moved to end the life care, so they'd be motivated by that. And then, dude, yeah, they'd just be so motivated to beat Argentina. I just... I sound like a hater, but I don't see Argentina making it past. If they make it to semifinals, I don't see them beating Brazil. I mean, that's if Brazil makes it through. But yeah, we're definitely coming out Croatia here, but anything can happen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I think, you know, my my head says, yeah, Brazil has a clear path to the final, but my heart just says Argentina is going to do this for Maradona, for Messi, for so many players that have graced that jersey in the past. and. You know, this is their time. This is their moment. You know, coming off that Copa America win, I think they're inspired. And all their players are in such good patch of form. The same could be said for Brazil, but damn, I really think they'll, their final's bound. So, going to the side of the bracket, uh, first hypothetical was you had Portugal and in France. Damn, that would be a good game, too. Yeah, I mean... Like, I don't know. I feel like France on paper is the favorite. Yeah, I mean, I have... My final since uh, last week has been Brazil-France, so... Yeah, I see France, dude. Just France and Brazil. Maybe not not France as much, their midfield. But Brazil and France are just two most stacked squads. I mean, Brazil maybe a little more, especially that midfield. But then their wingbacks are a bit of a letdown with Danilo and I think Alexandro, even though I think Alexandro's injured. So they're currently playing Danilo left back. And I think... Militao's right back. Yeah, Militao's right back. But even then, Militao's a baller, dude. But... And then France, you have questions around their midfield of Chouameni and Rabio. At the same time, dude, I mean, the Brazil's wingbacks have responded excellent, and France's midfield has left no questions unanswered. So, yeah, just France goes through. I mean, Portugal, I mean, it depends. If Portugal, like, 
gives Morocco another ass whooping, you know, gives them like a 4-0, especially if they're playing part the bus, dude, then I would start questioning whether France would advance, but I can't see the future, you know, I can't tell, so I don't know, so at the moment I still say France goes through, just, they're just too much, Mbappe, uh, Dembele, Giroud, you know, they would just play an excellent football at the time, so, yeah, I have Brazil-France final, and then yeah. I have Brazil taking it off it. Yeah. yeah, on paper, like I said, you know, France is just heavily favorites, but especially, man, I think they can really hurt Portugal and the center back. I mean, they're starting Pepe, who is 39 years old, but still a world-class player, don't get me wrong, but I think just the speed and pace of players like Mbappe, Dembele can just run circles around them all day long. Uh, my hypothetical semifinal is England versus Morocco, and I think this is where Morocco's good luck uh, journey comes to an end. I mean, I feel like you'd agree. Do you agree? <laughs> If this was a hypothetical semifinal? Not necessarily, because Morocco, they just parked the bus versus England. I feel like Southgate wouldn't know what to do. Because Southgate, I kind of feel like against France, he's going to park the bus. He's going to go back. Yeah. To, he's going to revert to his uh, 5-3-2 formation. So I just don't feel like he knows how to break down a bus. So I could see that one going to penalties and or overtime. Morocco gets one, and then England are screwed. So... That'd be a toss-up for me. So honestly, Morocco, England, or Morocco, not Morocco, France. Um, yeah, I guess my hypothetical final would be Argentina versus England. Uh, there's a famous game that comes to mind, but I can't like remember the competition or the year, or, like really anything about it. Oh, I about think it. it was the. It was that Wembley? That's all I know. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Brazil, the England. Uh, Argentina game where Maradona did the hand of God in oh, Mexico. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one I was thinking and, about. And they've pretty much hated him since then. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that was on my mind. Wembley had nothing to do with it. I think it was Mexico 78, might be wrong on that. Yep. I mean, yeah, that's uh, a final that I guess a lot of England fans would would want to see. But at the end of the day, I think... I know everyone's going to say I'm just a messy fanboy, which I am. But, I mean, I, I don't think anyone, anything's going to stop him. Anything or anyone's going to stop him from winning this World Cup. But... Yeah, before we end this thing, I want to ask you this one question. A lot of neutrals are, you know, kind of getting behind this idea of they want to see an Argentina versus Portugal final. And hopefully that once and for all settles the debate of who's the better player. We obviously know who those two are. But yeah, man, if this matchup were to happen, do you think it finally settled the debate of who's the better player, Joao Felix or Pedri? No, I'm just kidding. I tried to, <laughs> Pedri? I tried to say two random-ass players, and I completely forgot. <laughs> but y- y'all know who I'm talking about. I mean... I mean, in my opinion, they'd have to, you know, head-to-head, biggest stage, biggest competition in the world. They'd have, they'd have to settle, in my opinion, because one of them is going to be walking away with the most sought-off and prized possession in world football, which is the World Cup. So, my opinion, if that is the case, whoever wins it, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, Ronaldo wins it, dude. Now, fuck Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I'd have to be like, yeah, dude, he got it. He got the head-to-head. But at the same time, you know, I could see other arguments for it. Like, if Ronaldo's on the bench, he doesn't do anything, then I could be, then I could understand people like, nah, he's not the GOAT. I could understand that. Or, you know, if Messi doesn't do anything, gets carried. I would understand. So, I'd like to say it does, but I don't think it will. <laughs> I mean, if Messi wins it, I think it will. But if Ronaldo wins it, I feel like people are going to be like, no, no, no. So, yeah, yeah it's tough, but... I agree. Yeah. I think no matter what these two players do, I mean, this argument will go on forever and ever. But mm-hmm. I think the only way it gets solved is if, you know, Argentina beat, I don't know, Portugal 3-0, Messi scoring a hat-trick, or vice versa, Portugal beat Argentina 3-0, Ronaldo scoring a hat-trick. I think that's the only definitive way where they can settle this debate. And even then, I think, like, the other side of the argument will find other little arguments that are, uh, just for the sake of arguing. But... I think that's kind of far-fetched, if I'm being honest. Um, I mean, the stars just have to align perfectly. Everything has to go Argentina's way and Portugal's way just to get this final to happen. Will it happen? I don't even know because, you know, I see Argentina really struggling versus Netherlands, really struggling versus Brazil if they get through. Um, And then Portugal as well on the other side with Morocco and either England or France. But, yeah, uh, this is what's so great about this game, dude. I guess we'll just wait and find out. And final is in a couple of weeks we're on the 7th as of the time of recording it's the 18th 11 days is yeah it, is it yeah wait so question if messi or ronaldo win the world cup do you think they retire oh i think i'll give you my quick opinion i think ronaldo wins it i think he retires but messi wins it 
he might retire, but I feel more so he'd be more inclined to be like, all right, I'm done with European football. I'm going to MLS. That's what I think would happen. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. Uh, I think especially con- considering the situation Ronaldo's in right now where he's a free agent, no club really wants him. Um, at the end of the day, personally, I do feel like he's going to accept that offer from Saudi Arabia just because he loves money. But Who doesn't? Um, Argentina and Messi, I don't know, dude. I mean, you've heard the rumors of him going into Miami come the end of the European season. And even then, I don't know, man. I mean, it'd be great for MLS. I'd definitely buy tickets to Miami just to go see him. But I feel like he'd... He'd be a walking celebrity in Miami. I feel like he'd have no private life uh, how he does now. I feel like that's a big step for him and his family. Um, I feel like it'd just be life-changing. And maybe if one of these players does win this World Cup, yeah, they could use it as an excuse to retire. But, I mean, what a way to walk out. <laughs> what a way to end your career with the biggest trophy in, uh, in history. But I don't know. And then we're, we're also looking past uh, the end of the club season, you know. Obviously, these two teams are going to return to... Or excuse me, these two players are going to return to club football at the end of this, so they have that to look forward to. But yeah, man, I don't know. It's uh, I'll tell you this: if Messi wins the World Cup and PSG win the Champions League, yeah, he's definitely retiring. See, my thought process was: if Messi wins either the World Cup or Champions League, then he'll go to the MLS. Because I think if he doesn't win the World Cup, he'll be like, "All right, I'm trying to win the Champions League and get out of here." But if he wins either one of those, I think he's going to MLS. But if he doesn't, then I could see him staying another year, trying it for another year, and then leaving. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's a slight possibility that if he wins the World Cup, he retires. I th- I truly think that. But, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll wait and find out. You never know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, do, do you talk about PSG and other club top competitions? I mean, they got the most performing... Uh, what's the correct term to use here? Most... You know what I'm trying to say? Like, their players are performing the most at, the, at this World Cup tournament. Um, highest performing? Yeah, I guess they, they, that squad has the highest performing players. I'm totally butchering this, but I think you guys know what I'm trying to say. You know, with Brazil and Neymar, um, Argentina and Messi, France and Mbappe, Morocco has Hakimi. Um, do they have a Portuguese player? I guess they have Itinha, but he doesn't really no, play. Mendes, yeah. but he gets injured. And yeah. He's supposed to be heading back to PSG. But yeah, I mean... If every, and obviously club football is completely different from international football, so who's to say these players will replicate the same form when they return? But, I mean, uh, that is one narrative to keep an eye out on. But and it's definitely going to influence the Ballon d'Or uh, next year. We all know that. So that's one to keep an eye out on. But other than that, man, I think we'll just kind of sit back and uh, watch all this unfold before our eyes, and we'll be back in a week's time, I think in a week's time, to talk about it again. I mean, unless you got anything else to say. All right. So that does it for this week's episode. Uh, yeah, I think we'll be back exactly in a week from today because semifinals are set to take place next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. So we'll probably get together either Wednesday or Thursday after to recap all that. So, yeah, uh, thank you guys, as always, for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter or TikTok at 90 and 60 pod. And we'll see you on the next one. Adios.